As your success grows, are you building a bigger table or a higher fence? Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, welcome in to the uh, merry month of May. Hey, our sponsor today is harrys.com. You can go to harrys.com slash 48 days, get a $5 discount on your first order. I'll tell you a little bit more about that in a minute. You know, when I talk about the merry month of May, I did a quick search on that. I a familiar phrase, the merry month of May. And we talk about, you know, what May brings. It's kind of almost the middle of the year already. And comes from an old Irish song, and there's a piece in Camelot that talks about it, but I didn't realize it actually talks about the lusty month of May, which is not really the theme I wanted to go with. So maybe we'll substitute something else there. You know what? Here, I'll, I'll do this. I'll pull up a little, little bit of U2 here. It's a beautiful day. That'll substitute for the lusty month of May, but just a reminder, wow, what a great time of year to be thinking about what you're accomplishing, where you want to go, what you want this year to look like for you. Here's some of the things we're going to be looking at today. How can I move from awesome corporate success to my own venture? Dan, do you think it's necessary to trademark a business name? Common question. Dan, I have limited funds and debt are a never-ending battle in moving my career forward. Here's an interesting one. I'm not sure how we're going to unpack this one. My standard of life does not match my blueprint, but I don't know how to change my blueprint. All right, we'll work on that one. And how can I frame it so my employer would see the value of paying me for my work instead of my time? How do I get over my stinking thinking that the only way I can make a living is working oil and gas? Well... Those are those and more we'll be unpacking here on the 48 Days Podcast. Just a little bit more of it's a beautiful day to remind us how gorgeous the day is if you decide to make it so. All right, we'll take that down. Well, here's our quotation for the day. Now, I heard this recently at a conference and it really stopped me in my tracks. It's a common quotation and I can't even find who to attribute it to. It's one of those that's been said so many different ways by so many different people. I can't find anybody to attribute it to. So we'll just claim it for our own. You can make it your own as well. Quotation is this. If you have more than you need, build a bigger table, not a higher fence. I don't even need to jump into the political fray to start unpacking that. But we can certainly think about what does it mean when you have more than you need? Well, just recently, Joanne and I did a webinar on creating a sanctuary, a haven of peace. Talked about some of the principles from her new book, Creating a Haven of Peace. But just talked about things that we've done to make our home a peaceful place, a place where all our grandkids want to have their birthday parties, a place when friends and neighbors feel welcome to come and hang out. You know, and that really hit home with me. If you have more than you need, and we see a lot of people who, when they have more than they need, they build a bigger fence. You know, they have, they, they're behind gated communities and they have security measures in place and safes to protect their merchandise and lock storage bins to hold their stuff. They could, wow, 
why don't you just build a bigger table and just share some of that with people? Well, I think it kind of goes without saying. You can apply it as you wish, but I think it's worth musing over. If you have more than you need, build a bigger table, not a higher fence. Well, let me share with you some of the things going on in the 48 Days community. Uh, Kent Julian put a note up just this morning that he has an article that went live on success.com that's really spreading. I love to see how people who are taking the initiative to blog, write, contribute, get interviewed, start podcast, all those wonderful things. We have a chance to share here, but Kent has been rocking it with his own success in coaching and speaking primarily, and then teaching others how to speak. He's got an event, speak it forward. A lot of you have been to that event. I've been there many times, um, coming up again here just in July, but he has an article that just went live on success.com and it's, do you live to work or work to live? But great article to go to success.com Check it out. Spread the word helps that be more successful for Kent. And that's the kind of thing we do for everybody. Gail Nelson commented. She said, wow, I just walked into a Barnes and Noble and not only are they excited about my new kids book, but they want it in the store and have invited me to a teen writers event where kids get to talk about authors about writing. Wow. This, this from the big box store that I thought would be difficult on a good day to get into goes to show that you have to take the risk and ask. The worst thing that'll happen is they tell you no. So to everyone who doubts themselves in their message, just do it. It's so worth it. Maybe you'll get a no, but maybe you won't. Well, thanks, Gail. We love those kind of, those kind of notes. You know, Barnes & Noble are very responsive to local authors. I mean, they may not have it in their stores all around the country and the world, but you may have a strong presence locally. If people know you and you do things to support the store and Bring people in. That's awesome. Have an event where teens can talk to authors about writing. Fun thing. I'll tell Joanne about that. She and Clara, my granddaughter, who wrote a book together that will be coming out in October, titled What If It Were Possible? They're being asked to come into schools and bookstores to talk about the process of taking an idea and turning it into a book. Yes, it's very, very possible. Get out there and ask. Uh, Jen McDonough, of course, of our eyes and ears, our cheerleader in 48days.net community. She put a post up about 15 best tips to get the best return on investment out of attending a live event or conference. Great tips in there, kind of things that you want to do. I've been to a lot of conferences recently. These are things that I practice. Make a list of three speakers you want to meet and why. Have specific questions in advance. Uh, Go with somebody else who's just as interested in learning as you are. Craft your elevator speech, meaning who are you, what do you do, why are you here. Have 50 sharp business cards. You can make those up just for the event if there's something that you want to tie in to that. I mean, Ashley, my daughter, just went with Joanne and me to Social Media Marketing World, and she did just that. She printed up 50 business cards that had a specific message she wanted for those people who were attending there. It was very effective for her. Take 12 pre-stamped postcards to use as thank yous to people that you meet. You can send those before. That's always impressive when somebody gets a card before they even get home from somebody that they met at an event. I mean, just there are things that you can do, but check out Jen's, Jen's approach there, 15 tips to give you a great return on investment on attending a live conference. I've been to a bunch of them recently. It feels like I've got travel lag. But uh, we've got a couple coming up here at the Sanctuary, which I'm grateful for, of Coaching with Excellence and then Innovate, which will be right here at the Sanctuary. 
then on the road again for a month, but then home for the rest of the summer starting about the end of July. So we're looking forward to that. But I'd love to see some of you at the live events. Um, always an opportunity that I welcome to shake your hand, give you a hug as uh, somebody where we're connected with common message, common kind of goals. Okay, let's see. Let me, let me go ahead here. I'm going to just, uh, we'll bring this up. We're going to end that section. If you've got a story that you'd like to share in the success area of the podcast here, be delighted to hear about that. Just go to 48 Days, click on Ask Dan, and you can position your question there, share that with me. Or you can just shoot an email to askdan at 48days.com. Be delighted to share your story on an upcoming show. All right, well, I want to talk to you a little bit about harrys.com. Those are the best razors in the world. You know my feelings about that. You know, why is it that when you walk into a drugstore, this is always, always tickles me, and, and you see funny commercials about this, but yeah, they really do lock up razors. You know, why are they locked up? I mean, is, is there some kind of danger there? Is somebody going to overdose on razors? Well, frankly, it's probably because razors are usually so overpriced And they're small, so people are more likely to steal them than just about any other product in the drugstore. And, of course, you know, guys use razors a lot, so you go through them. It's something that's a consumable, so it's an ongoing usage. It's not a one-and-done kind of thing. So because of that, a couple guys started Harry's.com. It's a great article in Inc. Magazine recently about their growth and about the fact they purchased the German company that's making the blades for them. They now own the company. So they really are serious about this. They're in this for the long haul. They sell high-quality blades that provide a close, comfortable shave for about half the price that you're used to. Certainly what I use, absolutely. You can get a starter set called the Truman, which is really a great option for new customers, and it's an amazing deal. For just $15, you get a razor handle, moisturizing shave cream, three of the Harry's five-blade German-engineered razors. Plus, now I told you it's only 15 bucks, but there's a special offer for you 48 Days listeners. If you go to Harry's, we'll, Harry's will give you $5 off your first purchase when you visit harrys.com slash 48 days. So go to harrys.com slash 48 days. Right now you can redeem your offer. You'll see a little welcome to you from me there. And you can start using the best razor in the world. Guaranteed. You'll love it. Well, Kristen says, within my industry, I'm considered innovative, courageous, encouraging, and a velvet hammer. I can persuade people to do things they thought they would hate. I provide professional development training across the eighth state region as executive director of a trade association. That's part of my job that I love and the reason I took this position. My path was born out of reading 48 Days 11 years ago while living in Nashville, Tennessee. Since then, I've grown this organization into a powerhouse, but it isn't mine. I also travel way too much to have healthy home and community relations. I want to start and develop my own business that takes all that I've learned and apply it locally. I'm going through the 48-day facilitator training right now. My question is, how do I utilize my developed network to start my new venture incognito while keeping my job? Well, Kristen great question and and great position to be in that you're super successful in a corporate position and you want to start your own thing. Now here's the deal. My experience is my observation is that trade associations like this 
golly, how can I say this? They tend to be kind of impersonal, meaning you can probably do a whole lot on the side right under their nose without even being noticed. And really, I don't think they're going to see it as a conflict of interest or a lack of loyalty or anything anyway. What I would encourage you to do, and you hear me talk about this model continuously on here, is dedicate 10 to 15 hours to building your new business over the next 90 days to really establish clearly what you would want that to look like, what kind of things you would be offering, what products or services you would be offering, and how you would structure it to get your own thing up and running. Then the next 90 days, so now we're talking up to six months, start doing in those 10 to 15 hours a week, what it is that you would be doing in your new business. Yeah, go ahead and reach out to your developed network, the people that you're working with now. Let them know what it is that you're doing. Let them know that not only are you executive director of this trade association, but you also are doing these things. Now, I don't know exactly what it is that you want to do, but I assume that it's using the same skills you've used as well. So there would be a tie over there. But I think you can be pretty open about that. And in six months in doing that, then have things firmly in place so that you really are increasing the momentum in your own venture. So you can then decide when it is you want to make a full transition. If in fact you want to do that. Now again, what, what you're saying though is, is clearly a message that, yeah, you do want to get out of what you're doing because there's way too much travel. You're talking about too much responsibility there. So look at it as a six month full transition where you use the network, use the skills that you've got there, be clear on creating a a blueprint, create a map for what it is you want it to be. Start making the deposits of success there, building your own success, your own income, and then make the full transition. You know, Brian Tracy talks, uh, has for years and years about there are three things that we see in people who become millionaires. Three things. Number one, clear goals. Number two, continuous learning. And number three, willingness to take risk. Now, when we talk about risk, though, in that environment, it it doesn't mean that you jump off a cliff and just hope that a net appears. No, it means that you have created a plan and then you're still, without being absolutely certain, which is always the case, that we always have to take that leap of faith, but you are willing to take that next step. So it doesn't mean you just blindly hope things work out okay, but you're acting on a clear plan. And in that regard, it's still something that other people would see as a risk. To me, it's just a natural progression in moving toward the plan and the goal that you've already established. Chris says, Dan, I purchased Ray Edwards Copywriting Academy. Well, congratulations on that. And I think it's absolutely fantastic. I'm currently under the module of writing your offer. Ray suggests offering tipping point bonuses. I plan on selling and marketing my unique artwork. You think offering free shipping would be a good bonus for me to offer. Prints would be shipped in a tube and original work would be sent flat. I don't see shipping costs being that expensive. Even if they add up, that would just mean I'm selling a lot of art. Okay, I'm going to answer that first and then I'll answer Chris's final question. I think that's great. I mean, shipping is a big deal when you're selling online. It's still the number one reason people stop after they start a purchase is when they get to shipping and they decide, nah, I don't want to pay another $8 or whatever. And they just bail. So yeah, if you, when you're, you know, when you're pricing artwork, it's very arbitrary, very subjective anyway. 
just price it so that you're very comfortable, including shipping. We have free shipping on everything here. Do it all the time. You know, it's just, it just makes the buying decision so much easier for people. So I think that's great. Now, what Ray talks about in writing your offer, when, when we, those of us who are in the information business, we're infopreneurs, we're selling information like Ray does with his copywriting courses. It's easy to add things that have a high perceived value that have really little or no cost. So I can include, well, I can include the audio of how to increase your self-confidence. We can show that as a $17 product on our site, but I can include it as a free bonus to somebody for purchasing. Now, in actuality, it costs us nothing. So we can include it. Those are the kind of things that he's talking about. Free shipping is a hard cost. It is something that really is going to cost you. I would encourage you to also look for things that have no cost, but still have perceived value. So it may be an ebook on how to market your own work or an ebook on how to do some kind of an art process, something related to what you're doing, but just an information piece or five tips or a beautiful PDF. We just created a beautiful PDF on how to use all five of your senses in your house or business, how to use sight, sound, taste, the, all the five senses on how to create a real peaceful environment. And, and Jared, our son did that in a beautiful printable PDF. Those are the kind of things that you can do that have no cost. And I'd encourage you to look at those. And then Chris says also, do you think it's necessary to trademark a business name? Just curious your thoughts. Thanks so much. Keep up the great work. Well, yes and no. I don't think it's wise or necessary right on the front end to trademark a business name. Now that may seem kind of counterintuitive because you think, well, as soon as you start to get any kind of business and recognition, it may be too late to trademark it. Well, that's true, but to trademark a name, now you can go directly to uspto.gov. That's United States Trademark and Patent Office.gov, uspto.gov. And you can trademark there. You can do a search to see if there's anything similar and you can do a trademark there. I don't do that. I mean, you can do that for about $350. I don't do that. I have an attorney who handles that for me. And if I think it's important enough, I want the attorney to really do the research and make sure we're accomplishing what we want to accomplish. And that's usually about $1,500. So is that worth it? Yeah. If you get a lot of traction, if you get 48 days to the work you love and you know, you've sold a whole lot of copies of the book and other things, then it makes sense. I didn't, I didn't trademark that until probably 10 or 12 years after we first published the material 48 days to the work you love. So I had a lot of success in that area. And then I decided, eh, because we have had so much success and we were starting to see so many kind of copycats, we went ahead and trademarked that and got a really strong trademark for 48 days. And that covers a lot of territory. You know, that would cover if somebody wanted to, to make a movie or do a documentary or something. You know, we've got a pretty strong trademark for that. But on the front end, I doubt that it's really necessary. What is important is the domain, the URL. So if you want to have Ray Edwards Copywriting Academy, what you want to get is the URL, rayedwardscopywriting.com. As long as you can get a .com like that, that gives you more protection, really, than having a trademark does. So my advice is, Go ahead and just start your business. Get it up and running. Make it successful. 
you know, when you're making a hundred thousand dollars a year, yeah, then look at trademarking something, but don't get caught up in that. Don't spend a lot of time, money and energy trademarking, protecting things. Just do the business, be successful there. Well, this comes from Lisa. Lisa says, I'm struggling to find a clear direction to move my career forward. Limited funds and debt are a never ending battle. Been on Dave Ramsey plan since 2012. I'm 35, married, two kiddos, same employer for the last eight years. The layoffs, round three, may include me in the next month. My current job, project manager with database management experience. I don't enjoy this work. I dread it most of the time, but I do it well. Seeking uh, PMP, let's see, that'd be project management professional, just because I qualify at this point. Talks about other things that she has on her disc, high I, high D, finished 48 days, start, Tony Robbins CDs, countless personality profiles in my job search. My standard, her, her Tony Robbins takeaway is this, that her standard of life does not match my blueprint, but I don't know how to change my blueprint. Well, I guess it kind of begs a question here, Lisa. Do you want to change the standard of your life or do you want to change your blueprint? You say you want to change your blueprint, but what I hear you saying is your standard of life is what needs to be changed because you have a blueprint that's out there that's calling you to something other than what you have now. Here's what I would encourage you to do. And that is to really clarify, what does that blueprint look like? Meaning, what do you want your life to look like? three years from now, what would success look like for you in multiple areas of life? What would it look like physically, personal development, family, community, you know, those areas other than just career and finances, then end up with those, but, and include those, what would you like that to look like? When you have that clear and have that blueprint identified, then make the decisions. What do you need to do now to make what you do daily line up with that? Now, keep in mind, when I talk about this, there are a lot of people that I work with who have a core career that serves them well. Not every hobby needs to be turned into full-time work. If you enjoy music or gardening or, you know, growing dandelions, you know, that those things may be things that are beautiful additions to a balanced life, but it would ruin it if you tried to make those the total focus of what you do for your income generation. Now I say that cautiously because you hear me talk a lot about follow your dreams, follow your passion. I certainly believe that, but at the same time, there's a lot of ways to approach this. We're talking about a fulfilling, passionate life not just having one thing that you're focused on to the exclusion of everything else. So there's a lot of people that I work with who have a very productive, profitable core career may not be their dream job, but it really does work well as a vehicle for allowing their life to work. I don't know if that's true in your case or not, but be careful about just sabotaging something that's working well for you and moving into a direction of not knowing where you're going. So just for whatever it's worth, you know, make sure that you're looking at both sides of the coin there. 
Well, let me just a quick reminder here. You're hearing real-life questions. Welcome these. It's the highlight of my week to open the magic mailbox where all these questions appear in there. Just uh, sharing with me the things that you're going through, the successes and challenges that we can all benefit from unpacking together. So if you've got something you'd like to share here, a question you'd like for me to discuss with you, just go to askdan in the 48days.com site and leave it there. Or you can leave a voicemail there. Got a bunch of voicemail messages that are using SpeakPipe that I have not opened recently. I got to crank those open. Takes a little more time. And uh, so I haven't done that recently, but I will unpack those of you who have left voice messages in the last couple of weeks. I'll unpack those. Or you can also just send an email directly to askdan at 48days.com. Again, that's askdan at 48days.com. Andrew says, I work for a state government agency. Now, this is really an interesting kind of framing of this question. I work for a state government agency as a traffic engineer. I enjoy my work, but I often find myself getting my work done in much less than 40 hours. Not to mention the vast majority of what I do does not require me to be physically present at the office. How could I frame it so that they would see the value of paying me for my work instead of my time? The time served mindset is very deeply ingrained in the company culture of the state government. Thanks for all you do. Wow. Now this is a really interesting approach avoidance question. I hear from a lot of government workers who say, you know, they do what they do in 15 hours. The rest of the week, they read novels, sit with their feet up, popped up, you know, watch TED Talks on YouTube, you know, do whatever. And they feel kind of guilty about that, but it is the way the system is set up. Now, I know that we just made a broad generalization stroke there, and it may not be true for everybody, but I hear from a whole lot of people who are stating the same kind of thing as you are, Andrew. Challenge is, what are you going to do with an option to that? If you can get your work done in 20 hours, are you willing to be paid based at the same rate as you are now for just 20 hours, which would effectively cut your pay in half? Or are you talking about placing a higher value on the work that you do so you're really paid for producing results? In a system that's as bureaucratic as state or county or federal government, it's very, very cumbersome to look at how to quantify results produced. That's why it's easiest for everybody involved just to pay for time. And if they're overpaid for time, it's a sloppy system at best. And it's just probably going to continue as such. I think it's going to be challenging to get a state government to pay you where it's really based on compensation for results produced. I think that what you're looking at here is your only option is to raise the red flag and say, look, I'm not working 40 hours. I'm only working 20 hours to the, which their response will be, well, either we'll double your work or we'll pay you half as much. I don't really think you've got a good environment to make the kind of subtle change that we often talk about here. If you're working for an independent company, I think you can, and, and you were doing graphic design and they were saying we need you to do these five book covers and we'll pay you five hundred dollars a piece for doing those then whatever time you invest in doing that is up to you that's a different kind of animal but when you're a traffic engineer for state government i think it's a challenging setup 
to change the work model and how you're compensated. I love how you're thinking. And if you come up with a creative way to convince them to do that, I'd be thrilled to hear about it and share your success. I just think it's going to be tough in that environment. Lisa says, thanks for your podcast and your books. 48 days, no more Mondays. I've worked oil and gas for 16 years with the latest oil bust. I'm currently driving Uber and teaching yoga. My passion is to build my yoga business, launch online classes for passive income and become a certified yoga therapist, which is a new field covered by Medicare. Uh, Meanwhile, I only make about one third of what I used to make and the cost of living in Colorado has skyrocketed. Uber is not paying the bills, so I was looking for your 48 money-making ideas once on your website, but can't find it. Can you give me some ideas about how to supplement my income while building my yoga business? Also, how do I get over my stinking thinking that the only way I can make a living is working oil and gas? Thanks. Well, yeah, a lot of, a lot of segments to your question there, Lisa. I love Uber. Incidentally, and there's a lot of people that have jumped into that and are doing really well. I'm not sure why you're not making a whole lot doing that because I would think that you could pretty well substitute what you're making in a traditional oil and gas business by doing that. But with what you're laying out, you'd like to build your yoga business and launch online classes. I'd just be real intentional about doing that. See what you could lay out to do in the next 90 to 180 days, three to six months. What could you accomplish if you were really focused on that? If you were spending that 10 10 to 15 hours a week doing that, what could you do to really launch yourself in that arena and build your income? Now, when you're talking about being a certified yoga therapist, I mean, you can do classes, you can do individual work, and those are things that people pay well for. Your per hour compensation ought to be way more than what you're used to making. I mean, we have a massage therapist that comes to our house Well, you know, she does really well because we value her services. She's very focused in what she does. You know, it serves a a very high felt need for us, helps with our health program. But as a yoga therapist, I mean, that's a hot topic. And if it's now covered by Medicare, of course, Medicare is probably not going to pay a whole lot. But if you look at how you can do groups or then position yourself to do online training, it really opens the door to more uh, leverage in what it is that you're bringing to the table. Now, I did just send you my 48 lower no-cost business ideas. There's a hidden link for it, and I I sent it to you. So I hope that'll help stimulate your thinking on some more things that you could possibly do as well. I think you're on the right track here. And I think with the combination of Uber and yoga, you're really close to having the model that you're looking for. I'm a big believer in having a variety of things that you can create multiple streams of income. But I think those things ought to be things that complement each other. I don't like to see things that are really unrelated. So driving with Uber is one thing, but then when you're doing yoga, that's totally unrelated. They're not likely to have a lot of crossover. So I'd encourage you to really look at yoga or things that are connected with that. You know, how you could do eBooks, how you could do audio programs, group demonstrations, seminars, things that you, online courses, as you mentioned, things you could do to leverage your unique expertise in that one area to really expand, to then duplicate and bypass your current income. That's the way that I would go on that. Well, Hey, I'm going to wrap it up a little early today. Got a lot of things happening here at the sanctuary. We're just getting ready for another coaching with excellence. Got a full house coming for that. And uh, we've got innovate coming up in a couple weeks. We've closed registration for that. We're completely sold out. Can't 
tolerate any more people. Can't tolerate. That's a bad word to use. We can't accommodate any more people. I told Ashley, my daughter, we ought to just um, hope for good weather and open the doors and do it on the grounds here and allow 150 people to come. But we've got 48 people registered with those in our speakers. That's our maximum capacity. So we now have a waiting list for Innovate. But uh, if you'd like to get into that, let us know. We could consider doing another event yet this year. We don't have one planned, but with enough demand, we may actually open up and do another event this year. Then, of course, I'll be doing New Media Europe in London in June, June 18th through the 19th. Be delighted to see a lot of you there that I'm hearing from coming back directly for podcast movement. Hey, register for podcast movement. If you're a podcaster, listen to this. You're doing your own podcast. Love to meet you there. Just put in, when when you register for Podcast Movement, it's very inexpensive. Jared and Dan have a great program coming together. When you register, tell them you heard about it from Dan Miller. You'll get a t-shirt, and I will as well. How cool is that? We'll share t-shirts. And then, of course, we're doing the Ultimate Advantage Cruise in February of 2017. We're just finalizing every all the details on that, and you'll be hearing more about that in the upcoming weeks. So be delighted to see you at any of those events. Thanks for being part of this community. Remember our quotation for today, that being, if you have more than you need, build a bigger table, not a higher fence. I think it's really important just to remember that concept. I think it's something not everybody's going to buy into that. There are a whole lot of people that are going to guard their stuff and build bigger tables and buy more guns, but I mean, build bigger fences and buy more guns. Eh, that's not our style around here. If you're listening to this for a long time, you realize we believe in the concept of abundance, sharing freely, and then sharing freely, we come around to the adage, a rising tide raises all ships. We believe in sharing the success of other people, and it increases our own, even if it's indirectly or takes a period of time. That's the way that it's done here. Hey, thanks for being part of this community where we, in fact, are finding or creating work that is meaningful purposeful and profitable. 48 days to the work you left This could be your chance So take it